0: Welcome to The Power of Data, the podcast by Dun & Bradstreet. Data is everywhere, and there is more created every second
1: of every day. Join us to hear from leaders unlocking the value of data.
0: Hi, welcome back to The Power of Data podcast. Today, I am delighted to be introducing you to our latest guest, Mr. Nicholas Kwan, who is Director of Research at the Hong Kong Trade Development Council, otherwise known as HKTDC. Welcome, Nicholas.
1: Hi, Sam, how are you?
0: All the better for speaking to you, and it's a beautiful day here in London. You're based in Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, also quite nice weather here. Excellent,
0: bodes well. Let's start with a little bit about you. You've had Mm -hmm. a varied career in the area of research. I am a huge fan of government subsidiaries that promote trade around the world. And in doing my research, about the hong kong trade development council it reminded me a lot of the uk's department for international trade the work that you do is pivotal not just to the hong kong economy but actually global economies as a global trading hub so can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and about hktdc
1: to our listeners to be honest i start my careers as something different far from the kind of work you just mentioned i'm a researcher and a macroeconomist almost for life, but I start off my research career in financial systems. Every time I change job, one common thing is there would be a crisis coming very soon. Uh, I joined Berlin Lynch in 1987, just a month before the stock market crash. It takes me about a decade to learn my way through, and I become the chief economist for Asia Pacific, for Merrill. And then there's an interesting development with the Asian financial crisis in 1997, I stayed on for a while, but suddenly find that it would be more fun to switch side from the private sector to the public sector. So I joined the Monetary Authority of Hong Kong, from an investment banker to become a central banker, only to find that three months after I joined HKMA, the major crisis coming to Hong Kong and speculation of the Hong Kong dollar, which forced us to intervene in the market in a huge way. That's the second crisis of my career. Then a few years later, I find it's more interesting, more dynamic, back to the private sector. I joined Standard Charter Bank as the regional chief economist, only to find that there's another bigger crisis to waiting for me in 2007, 2008, the global financial crisis. So after some years, I find that I have enough in the financial sector. I have done investment bank, I have done central bank, done I've commercial bank. If I was to stay in the research field, I need to find something interesting and new. So I joined HKTDC. My name is a trade promotion body of the government, but honestly, is run as a private enterprise. Except for the board or some of the key board members, including our chairman, who were directly appointed by the government, the whole council operating side is on market terms. So same for my position as the director of research. I'm thinking that I'm doing something different, but still on the macroeconomic research. But other than the financial sector, I'm now looking at the real sector. And I believe that it will be less pressurized, much more easy to handle, but so wrong that some years later on, I've run into some of the biggest crises, the trade crisis to start with. And now with all the real sector crisis we have. And lately, of course, the public health crisis, which also related to trade, because almost all the economic activities are being locked down and paralyzed. So that's a summary of my career. I hope I don't need to find another job to bring them another crisis. Uh, But (laughs) to some extent, I think what I've seen is enough. For my
0: career. As an economist and a researcher, you're going to have your hands pretty full with the situation we found ourselves in globally today. And at Dun & Bradstreet, our business is commercial data, analytics, insights and predictive models. And the crises that you've been through, you've lived through that rich learning environment, are areas in which Dun & Bradstreet thrives because we get to support our clients and help navigate their way through. And you're exactly right that the pandemic has been a trade crisis as well. And we have a number of different tools at Dun & Bradstreet, including our COVID Impact Index and Mm portal-related solutions to help companies understand more about the trading environment rather than it just being considered a health pandemic. At Dun & Bradstreet, we're also passionate about working more collaboratively on a global scale. Mm -hmm. We are a global business, and every day we become more global. We've just acquired 19 more markets in Europe which we'll come to talk about a little bit later, particularly as it relates to the Belt and Road Initiative. And at the Trade and Development Council, you have your own initiative to foster more collaboration in this area. Can you tell us a little bit about the Belt and Road Initiative and its aims for promoting further market integration and I guess ultimately forging new ties amongst communities.
1: Yeah, it's very simple actually. Many people have different interpretation of the Bear and Roll initiative. But for us, as you said, we are an agency to help to globalise in different forms, particularly in trade and economics. This Bear and Roll initiative is basically a globalisation effort initiated by the Chinese, so I would normally call it as a globalisation with Chinese characteristics. Mm-hmm. And the problem with this globalization, with Chinese characteristic, is that it comes at a time where the world is not all along going for globalization. In fact, since the last global financial crisis, we've seen a huge wave of deglobalization, and that's from finance to economics to trade and to technology and everywhere. So it is quite unique that China, being an upcoming major economy, is going against this trend and pushing for globalization. What I see Hong Kong's role is here, because it's done from a Chinese way, is to synchronize with the rest of the world. Otherwise, you can't globalize. And any program that cross-border need to be owned and shared by stakeholders on different sides of the border. Mm -hmm. So Hong Kong plays here is that we are the most international city of China. And to some extent, we could claim as one of the most internationalized cities in the world. And we have the globalization, particularly the economic side, in our DNA. We have a lot of connections. We have a lot of business practices which are well integrated with the world. So here our role is how to make this globalization with Chinese characteristics also injected with international characteristics so that this kind of globalization really works for everybody's benefit. That is how I see the things going on. Of course, in terms of the actual practices, there's a lot of work to do. And because we are a trade promotion body, we focus on how to get the related parties together, make it more internationalized, and how to get this practice to sync along with the international practices.
0: Thank you. And I love the way you position that. You've given me some wonderful sound bites there around the globalization with Chinese characteristics. And for those listening who who don't necessarily know a lot about the Belt and Road Initiative, the Belt and Road Initiative, the way I see it, is a wildly ambitious program designed to connect Asia with Africa and Europe through a number of different both land and sea networks. And it was designed by President Xi Jinping of China, probably, I think, in the early 2010s, maybe 2012, 2013. And it was based on the concept of the Silk Road from many thousands of years ago. It's ambitious for a number of reasons. Firstly, because of the amount of investment that's been poured into it. I think there's something like 3,000 projects ongoing with around $2 trillion of infrastructure investment being put to work. But most importantly, as you say, Nicholas, it's going against the deglobalization that we're seeing today. And I think the pandemic has only increased deglobalization. Supply chains have broken down. People are thinking more domestically, looking for different supply chain opportunities. And knowing that Hong Kong as a wildly cosmopolitan city and region, it can be that integration hub and help connect China's characteristics with international characteristics is it's a really, really exciting opportunity. And I know James, our general manager in Hong Kong, and Andrew, our general manager for Greater China, are both wildly excited about the ways we can support you in doing that as done and Bradstreet. So there's huge opportunity for us together, I'm sure. sure. But if we look at the appeal of launching such an initiative in Hong Kong, what do you see the advantages Hong Kong can bring to the Belt and Road Initiative? And how can it benefit both Hong Kong and other countries that want to work with Hong Kong?
1: The bottom line is that we see the future of Hong Kong is to get the world closer to each other. We are a very small, open economy. All we live along is to interact with different parts of the world. To some extent, we are serving. Many people see Hong Kong serving as a gateway to China. And we also serve for China to the rest of the world. And increasingly, actually, we are serving ourselves as a gateway for to meet with the West. So there's more than China to talk about. But this particular Belt and Road Programme, since it's initiated by China, we see ourselves as a specific position and road to play because we know China much better than any other cities outside. And we have the most international connections among all the Chinese cities. And because of the one-country system, we managed to have something really unique where the rest of the mainland doesn't have. The other area is like finance. Many people know Hong Kong in terms of our stock market and IPO, but we are unique in several other ways. We are the single largest hub for r business. We are the third largest hub or offshore center for U.S. dollar exchange market also. So we have been doing this kind of forex and other financial cross-border business for a long time. And we rank among the top five in terms of info as well as outflow of foreign direct investment on a cumulative basis around the world. We are sometimes we are only next to the America in terms of the kind of outflow we invest as well as the info we accept as foreign direct investment. It's not to say that Hong Kong have a lot of money to invest or a huge opportunity for people to invest in. But the simple fact is that a lot of countries and investors use Hong Kong as a conduct to invest cross-border. So in the old days, a lot of American, Europe, Japanese money used Hong Kong as a base to invest into the mainland and Asia. Increasingly, Asia and China is using Hong Kong as an investment site to invest overseas into the West. So all these are very critical if a globalization program like the and Road were to succeed. We will see a huge amount of trade flows, investment flows, as well as other service and technology folks through across the region. And we are serving in this particular area with our unique platforms, as well as our expertise.
0: Thank you, Nicholas. That was extremely useful. And you've given me a lot of ideas that I have to take off the podcast because there are opportunities for us. But let's talk for a moment about some of the events that are going on that we can get involved in and our listeners can get involved in who find this an area of opportunity. In 2017 May, I think it was during the first Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation in Beijing, President Xi formally announced that big data would be an incorporated component in the Belt and Road Initiative and it would play a very pivotal role in how the Belt and Road Initiative evolved. And the core focus was on traditional infrastructure deployments and they wanted to establish the digital Silk Road equivalent. Can you just talk to us a little bit about the developments within the digital Silk Road and how data and analytics have played a role in it?
1: Happy to do it. Digital economy is is a trend anyway. Everything is going digital, particularly under the pandemic. But well before that, actually, two years ago, we have commissioned a study on how Hong Kong can play a role in this digital Silk Road program. The reason we see we have a role is basically that we are one of the more developed digital economy in the region we were ranked top three in asia and top eight i think around the world in terms of our digital competitiveness by the imd study and we have some of the top digital infrastructures in terms of cross-continental submarine cable connections satellite connections mobile penetration rate broadband penetration rate so all this gives us the basic infrastructure to embark on uh, more active participation in this digital Silk Road program. The way I see it is that what the Bay Row Road first focus on is infrastructure projects. And particularly in terms of the digital infrastructure, it is very important, not just for China, but also for many of the recipients of the Bay Road investment, mostly developing countries. Digital and technology is something which really can help countries, developing countries to leapfrog, as well as to cut short their development path. We know a lot of infrastructure take a long time and huge investment. But some of those actually, once you have it built, you can easily cut through many other generations of investment. Like our mobile technology now can save us of huge investment in fixed line infrastructure. And even in terms of finance, E-banking, mobile banking save a lot of countries and helps them to have much higher banking penetration to the rural and suburban area than the normal banking systems. So these are particularly important for both China, which have quite an experience in using technology and digital to promote their own development. And now we are in a position to bring that to the other countries and make them fit into different systems. So these are areas which have been identified in our study where hong kong will be and hopefully can play a much more active role and we are working with the mainland as well as the overseas counterparties to see how to get these different projects work together we're not strong in infrastructure building but hong kong is very famous for our service sector professional services And we adhere to a lot of international standards, which is different from what the mainland counterparties is like. So what they need for us is the kind of services to help them connect with the other side, mostly the developing country, but also including some of the more developed areas.
0: Thank you. And I know recently, just this week and last week, the uh, HKTDC participated at the CIIE event in China, which was mm-hmm. one of the largest national events in China that President Xi actually opened. And you have your own event coming up called the Belt and Road Summit, which I want to yes. talk to you about just for a moment. And it's a big event. You know, we're going to have mm-hmm. over 5000 people there down and Bradstreet are a sponsor and a participant at the event. And these kind of events are really important for us. I'll tell you why, and then I'd like you to tell us why it's so important to you. And for those listening, Dun & Bradstreet, with our commercial data solutions, lives to fuel business. We want people to do more business. We want our clients to thrive. We want our clients to compete, and we want our clients to be protected. One of our solutions, the Dunn's registered seal, which is often abbreviated to DRS, is a solution that helps people do that. It helps companies actively market their credibility digitally. And we work with big sourcing platforms all the way down to some of the most ambitious and exciting new sourcing platforms, helping companies do business online. And the Belt and Road Summit is bringing all of those constituents together. You're going to have over 5,000 government officials and business leaders. You've got, I think, over 100 mainland China and overseas delegations. You've got hundreds of exhibitors, hundreds of investment projects on show, Tell us a little bit about what the objectives of the Belt and Road Summit are and how people can get involved, because this is all about doing more business, and I think it's critical to do more business at a time like this.
1: It's good that you mentioned about the Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation in Beijing, which was launched in May 2017 by President Xi. We have our first Belt and Road Summit done actually two years ahead of that, and we are now into the fifth year of this summit. Both are huge and mega, but honestly, of two different calibrates. The one in Beijing definitely is more G2G, government to government. They have a huge number of state heads and ministers attending. Ours is very different in the sense that since Hong Kong is just a small city, we don't want to have too many state heads here either, because the security would be a big problem for us. But we'd like to have a more business-oriented and more global type of conference and meeting ground for people. So all along, we have been building this summit with two focus. One is business, and second is international. We don't want just the mainlands or some particular local participants. Baird Road is a globalization program. We need to make it as global as possible. Last year, we have about 5,000 attendants, but this year is very unlikely to have that because first, the pandemic will not allow us to have so many people traveling in and out. And even for people here, we have restrictions on to the number of people we can get together. So we'll have mostly an online format. We're expecting much less attendance in the sense of the direct participants, but probably a much wider coverage in terms of geographical and even persons. This is one distinct development we have. And if things go on, we would like to have a kind of a hybrid type of setup going forward. The thing about this year's summit is that we try to do most things online, which actually give us an edge of reaching out to many people who may not be able to travel, not just because of the pandemic. You know, covers a lot of developing countries. And traveling from those places to Hong Kong could be very expensive and also very time-consuming to come to Hong Kong but this time with the online setup, we're expecting a much higher penetration and wider penetration. And hopefully it will actually spread the message much wider. Second, we try to focus on this. In the last several years, we are talking mostly on very generic terms of what is bear and roll, what kind of broad industries and key projects that companies may be able to partner together. This time we have much more dedicated business matching sections for companies, stakeholders to meet with each other and talk about details of our projects. And there are quite a number of projects which has already been started years ago, and they would like to follow up through our conference where different parties, different stakeholders can get together. The last things we're expecting this year to be somewhat different from previous is because of the pandemic. We see pandemic as a crisis, but on the other hand, it's also an opportunities. Without the pandemic, people probably don't aware that we live in the same world so close to each other that virus will travel across borders so easily. So we have some common ground to work together more closely, not just on public health area, but also in other area, environmental and all those things. So there will be new focus on public health, biotech, health tech. And I believe there will be a lot of programs or projects other than the normal infrastructure projects. And hopefully we can connect them together and make things work much faster.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think the wider reach due to it being digital is definitely an asset. I think the ability for you guys to do business matching and help partner different people together is essential. as that broker in the middle. And yeah, you're right. It's not just about physical infrastructure anymore. We we can talk about other areas of cross-border opportunity. And seeing the collaboration that's happened around the world, the World Economic Forum has been a great example of that. They've brought together different constituents from all different corners and different sectors to work together on health-related areas of cross-border collaboration. It's really powerful. And I'm actually going to challenge my team in Hong Kong. And I'm doing this publicly, so hopefully no one gets too annoyed with me. But you talked about helping reach a wider audience through the Mm -hmm. digital platform, and you talked about helping match businesses for projects. Those are two things that Dunham Bradstreet does uniquely well. Our sales and marketing tools help accelerate businesses through propensity analysis, reaching bigger audiences and matching. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to challenge our team in the Hong Kong business to support HKTDC ahead of the 30th of November event to do that stuff even better. I'll take that as an action and we'll come back to you after the podcast.
1: It's well appreciated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's see. We'll see the results, but I'm certain that the team have got this capability right at their fingertips and, and will help you guys grow your platform and, and make it even more impactful. The event is on the 30th of November. It runs till the 1st of December. If people who are listening to this, which goes live on the 27th, want to get involved, what do they do? Can they register online?
1: Yeah, definitely. Everything can be done online. You don't need to fly, you can pay online. If you have to listen, you, you do it online. And we have some records so you can catch up afterwards. There's so many events going in parallel together. In the old days, you will probably miss some of those, but with everything being recorded in most cases, have a much more full program to enjoy and entertain.
0: Excellent. I'm excited to hear how it goes. And, and like I said, I'll, I'll be in touch afterwards to make sure the team rises to the challenge. So let's talk about some success stories through the Belt and yep. Road. I always love success stories when you have such high volumes of people and businesses collaborating. Tell us a little bit about the wins we've seen through the Belt and Road.
1: The Belt have a lot of controversies being reported in the press. It depends on how you see it anyway. But of course, there are quite a lot of success stories. Now, portal, in the TTC portal, actually, we have more than 100 stories, videos being soon record on the portal that people can look at it. Our focus is not so much on the mega huge projects. Most people think about Bang and is thinking about billions of investment, which take 5, 10 years or even 20 years to complete. So not until it's fully completed, you can't say it's successful. So to that extent, it's very difficult to find a full success story one way or another. other. But our focus particularly fit for small enterprises and local enterprises, because people's perception is that Bayon Road is for the big guys, for the government, not for the small business, not for the local people. We particularly find stories which go against that and tell people how it can affect you and how you can catch the opportunity in such a huge program. There's one interesting story I can share with everybody here is two young bankers here in Hong Kong. They themselves are very eager to look for different opportunities. And they thought about the Burn Road and they traveled to one of the mega billion project location and look for opportunities. And they found something interesting. He said that of all the construction going on, what they need is some very basic construction material, which is readily available locally. And the local people are aware of that. And they are very eager to use those material and supply to the project. The problem is that the local people doesn't have capital to do their business. What they need is just maybe a truck to move those material to the site, which is not too far away. And they use hand to do that. So these two bankers come up with the idea that why don't they bring them with some microfinancing so that they can buy their equipment and add to the capital and do the business. So that benefits the local people who can use the resources and join the project. And they'd also bring in the new technology of microfinancing, which honestly is not very high tech, but it's not existing in those spaces where people doesn't even have a bank account. So these two guys set up something and through their funding sources in Hong Kong, they managed to build that up, build a business now to a multi-country business. So these are success stories, I see, which are very important for us because it tells you how small business startups and local people can benefit from such barren road. And I would expect that any mega project will have hundreds of these smaller projects coming along with that. And we can manage it well. It will spread the benefit to a much wider community and have much bigger impact to the society. So this story and many other small micro business We have them written and recorded in our website. If people are interested, people are welcome to look at the tdc.com web portal where you look for Belt and Road, and we have those details.
0: I would really recommend anyone does go to the HKTDC website. There's so much in there. It's a great resource for people who want to know a little bit more about the Belt and Road Initiative. I want to know more about the events that you guys host. I mean, there couldn't quite literally be more events. You've got dozens of events each month. And then the ability to also source products and services through the HKTDC website. And I think you've got, I can't remember how many it is, but something like over 120, 130,000 quality suppliers from around the world on the HKTDC website and on the marketplace. So that's a huge area of opportunity for people that want to do business in Hong Kong, but also do business with organizations in greater china as well so as we come to the end of the podcast i'd like to find out if you personally have had any specific pieces of wisdom or lessons that you've taken with you through your career and I, i ask that because at the start of the podcast you talked about all of the crises that you've worked through and you know that intensity of learning through crisis i always feel you learn more through failure or you learn through more crises than you do often through good times And I'm sure you've learned a lot. What piece of advice would you give our listeners today?
1: Yes, you're right. I feel lucky that I have gone through so many different crises. And if I have to look back the last 40 years of my career, each crisis, every time there's a crisis, there's something specific you can learn from. And every crisis come up bigger than the previous one and with a much bigger, uh, broader impact. So my simple advice or conclusion is that we're in a global world we are facing global challenges from economics, to trade, to finance, to public health, and many other aspects. What we are missing is global response. Our response to these crises are still largely local. So to that extent, we are not over-globalized. We are under-globalized. For those people who believe that we should de-globalize, we're going in the wrong direction. We should globalize more and think global, work globally. And I hope that with the work in TDC, which is to connect the world closer to each other on one aspect, the trade aspect, I hope there are many more people, experts, talents, as well as institutions who work together in this direction with us to make the world closer to each other and better for each other.
0: Nicholas, I could not agree with you more. I think the opportunity for businesses and economies around the world and individuals, consumers, to benefit from the synergies and the expertise of others across borders is enormous and it's untapped. So I look forward to ensuring that Dun & Bradstreet helps power that connectivity and helps power that trusted environment through transparency and the insights derived from data. And most importantly of all, I look forward to doing that in partnership with HKTDC. Good luck with the event on the 30th of November. I wish I could be there in person, but I know the team are looking forward to to playing a big role. And I look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Find out more about how Dun & Bradstreet can help your
0: business be better. Contact us at marketinguk at dnb.com. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts.